Good morning. morning. It is good to have this number back out with us for our morning half of our worship service on this snowy Lord's Day morning. But uh, it's it's good to, like I said, it's good to have each and every one out. What a wonderful song to sing before lesson. Love lifted me. Now my mind goes back to old Peter stepping out of that boat, sinking down to those those grisly waters, and Christ reaching up and lifting him up. My mind goes to that when I think of that song. But instead of Peter, I think of myself. I think of myself and the sacrifice that our Lord and Savior made for us, making a commitment to him to serve him in our everyday walks of life. We need to do that. We need to make that commitment and put our best foot forward to serve him, which is where the lesson comes this morning. So this morning, we're going to be in James chapter 5, starting in verse 7. Starting in verse 7. I had a little... little inspiration on this lesson this morning and I get a little snippet every now and then and just a passage of scripture comes through and my mind is pricked. I don't know if that happens to y'all at all but my mind was pricked this morning about being patient. We think about patient and waiting or holding pattern or, or not getting in a rush. Patient as a child of God we need to continue to be observant to God's will. Continually. Yes, Christ hasn't come back. It's been 2,000 plus years since Christ left. Keep in mind, he is coming. Our Lord and Savior is coming. He is patient in that doing as well. When I say patient in that doing, I mean he is patient for those to come to him. He's not in a hurry to condemn folks. Because as we are very well aware, that on Judgment Day, the folks who are going to find that broad and wide gate that leads to destruction are many. We need to make sure we are of the few. Let's make sure we're this patient child of God that we should be. And as we continue into this lesson, we got a few scriptures to cover. And uh, over here in the back, we got a little bit of a, a little bit more reading, but time constraining, we're going to get through. So as we begin reading in uh, James chapter 5, starting in verse 7, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Let's stop right there in the 8th verse. Notice what it said. You also be patient. Just like that farmer that gives, the, that the example that uh, James gives unto us, like that farmer who sows that seed and, and waits for that precious crop to come forward. He waits till it's perfectly seasoned out there in the field and then he picks it. That farmer waits and he's patient because he knows it's going to be worth it in the end. Let's look at our Christianity. Establish your hearts. Establish. Let's look at that word establish. Well, first off, we have instructions from God. On what type of person who we should be, how we are to interact with one another, how we are to interact with the lost, and how the instruction to even come to God Himself. Establish your heart. Have you taken God's instructions and applied them to your hearts? Because as we are establishing our hearts in the presence of God, many times we say this going to church or being a Christian here upon this earth is us preparing ourselves for the dwelling place of God. Being a Christian here on this, on this earth, in this day and age, 
We're preparing for the presence of God. Have you ever considered that? Being in the all-powerful, powerful, mighty God. Our living Father. Being in His presence. Yes, we can see His creation. We can see things that are going around that He's, that he's had His hand in. We can see all the miraculous things that He does. We can see those things. Some things that I can't even comprehend. But he's here. We're talking about actually laying our eyes upon him. If we establish a heart to prepare ourselves in our everyday walk of life, we will be with him. Because look at the very ending of verse 8. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. We made mention this morning about Christ's resurrection from the grave, that being in the grave for three days and ascended into heaven. We made mention of that this morning. We looked at that a little bit and had a good conversation. But folks, he's coming back. I did say it's been 2,000 and at least 2,020 years since he left, right? But here we are. We're still here. He is still in heaven, patiently waiting. Us as a child of God, we need to be patient at his coming. Not hurrying up or even those hearing hard instructions or hard sayings like John 6 and verse 66. Previous to that, Christ told them, uh, eat of my body and drink of my blood and you will have everlasting life in a matter of speaking. He says, I will abide with you. And they had, this is a difficult saying. How can you, how can you command us to do this? They thought of it as cannibalism. That's not what Christ was talking about. He's talking about for them living in the spirit, not according to the flesh. Their minds were centered on fleshly things. They couldn't turn their spiritual minds on. Except for a few who stuck around. John 6 and 66, those disciples left him never to walk with him again. And 67 and following, Christ has those, that, that conversation with this soon-to-be apostles. He looked at them and says, Don't you want to go too? Don't you want to go too? No. And they, of course, spoke up. One most ex more expressively. He says, where else are we going to go? Only you have the words of life. Have we considered that today? So many people today turn their backs on God. They're not patient in His coming. They're not establishing their hearts. They're living according to the flesh even after being immersed or baptized for the remission of sins. And they condemn themselves yet again. Well, partaking of condemnation, partaking of sin, resulting in condemnation. There we go. Us as a child of God, we need to be patient. Just as Christ himself is patient in his coming or handing the keys over to the kingdom, the keys of the kingdom over to the Father, he's patient in that. He's waiting. Because those folks who are going to be condemned on judgment day, he gave his life for them too. But unfortunately... They did not come to him. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Now turn one page over to 1 Peter. Maybe one page, it may be two. Mine was one. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Look at what's said. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Notice what's said in verse 3. 
How often do we glorify God in our everyday walks of life? That being said, do we show people who God is by Him abiding in us? You might say, well, God doesn't abide in us. There's, there's nothing. Oh, well, you might be very well right. Because if you're not loving Christ, you say, well, of course I love Christ. And I'm going to ask another question. With that thought of loving Christ, do you keep all of His commands? Or are you picking and choosing the commands that you are to follow? Because if you're picking and choosing, you are not following His commands. Plural, all of them. In doing so, you are not loving Christ. So let's glorify God in our everyday walk of life by keeping Christ's commands. Abiding in His love and the love of the Father abides in us as well. Let's think about that for the next few minutes as we continue on in this, in this reading here in verse 3. Who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. Look at that right there. God has enough, or had, for me it's past tense, had enough mercy to save me from my sins through baptism. And I will continue, folks don't like to hear that word, baptism, baptism. I will continue to say it because it's essential for our salvation. I know that, and I can prove it with scriptures. So when we think about being saved, we think about being not lost on Judgment Day. God is a merciful God. But He is also a just God. He's also a vengeful God. He is a wrathful God. Folks don't put those attributes to God, but they are there. For those who disobey Him. For those who have yet to come to Him, which is a disobedient act in and of itself. That wrath belongs to him. That fiery indignation, that fiery indignation that's going to devour his adversaries. Who do you think that comes from, God? He created that lake of fire in Revelation 20.10 about that lake of fire that where the, the old devil's going to be. False prophets and all those following Satan unto this day who are their father. Those who live worldly. Those who have not yet to partake of this grace that God gives to those to his children but he is a merciful God to look upon I'm going to use myself as an example to look upon poor pitiful Jeremy to come to his sins to save him that's mercy because he could have looked at me and said hey you ain't worthy he could have done that that's not a loving God that's not an attribute of God he forgives those who come to him let me clarify Folks, when you come to God with a repentative heart, a true believer, putting your best foot forward to serve Him, He forgives you through those actions that we are supposed to take. Through His Son is the only way we're going to get to Him. So as we have, we see God as a graceful, excuse me, as a merciful God Begotten us again to a living hope. Have you ever considered that word hope? Have you ever really grasped the meanings of it in scriptures? H-O-P-E. When we think about our eternal destination, do you think about heaven? Do you think about somewhere else? I want us to think about heaven. I want us to, whenever someone says hope or destination, eternal resting, heaven! Because the other place ain't rest. It's pain and suffering. 
So we think about mercy. We think about a living hope. Put yourself in those shoes. To say what you have done is pleasing to God and pleasing to Jesus Christ because what you have done was to obey his commands. Giving up the world, giving up sin, putting your best foot forward, again, to serve God in your everyday walk of life. I don't mean just for the first year. I don't mean for the first decade. I mean just the rest of your life. Be you faithful unto death. That's what John writes. Revelations 2 or Revelation? There's that S. Revelation 2.10. Be you faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. So how important is it to know that God is a merciful God and he offers living hope most assuredly through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. When you think about being resurrected, we do know that there's two. As, as we've made that study, there are two. One to everlasting life and the other one to everlasting punishment. Those who live according to the flesh, everlasting punishment. Those who live according to the spirit, everlasting life. So when God offers us human beings who are fallible beyond measure, we stumble, we fall short, we short-side God constantly, we fail him. He still allows an escape. He allows an opportunity for you to come back. And he promises everlasting life. How important is repentance? Exceedingly. Without it, we'd be lost. How important is justification? It's the same. It's just as important to stand justified. I did not say sin free. I did not. I said justified. There is a difference. A lot of folks say, well, I don't sin. Wait a minute. Well, we need to go back to 1 John chapter 1 and say that if we do not say, we make God himself a liar. You will never hear me say that I am not a sinner. I am a justified sinner. Now you're talking in circles. I'm not. There is a difference between someone who is a justified sinner and someone who is lost. That person who is lost is sinning willfully even sinning unknowingly, unchecked by the blood of Christ. Again, we find that in 1 John chapter 1. More expressively in verse 7. Now we think about this again here in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. A merciful God, a living hope, and a resurrection. Christ promised he would, he would be resurrected, did he not? He said, destroy this temple in three days, I will build it again. That's what he said. He spent three days in that tomb and then he was no longer found in that tomb. He was walking amongst the people. We made an example this morning in Bible class that was a discussion about doubting Thomas. He says, no, he ain't, that, that ain't him. That's a spirit. That's something of a spiritual, that's a ghost. Christ said, here, stick your hand in my side. The wound was still there. And then he was, then he did some correction, did he not? We need to know that there is a resurrection coming at the coming of our Lord. We need to be rest assured that there are two, and one is so much better than the other. In Daniel's reading this morning, back in Philippians chapter 1, 
Let's turn back there with me. Philippians chapter 1. The writer of Paul, of course he's in prison when he's writing this, and he's, he's, he says, he makes mention of them. He, he prays for them. He, he makes something that's, that should prick our hearts and show, of course, one of the characteristics of Paul. He was full of love. He was full of dedication to God. And notice what he says in verse 9. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment, and that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Did you hear what he said? His prayer was for them to put Christ first. Live unto Christ and not to themselves. That is what his prayer was for the church in Philippi. That prayer would be extended to, today to us even the more. Most assuredly. Because now we know. And most assuredly or rest assured or should be rest assured that of course Christ is coming. We need to be that patient child of God fulfilling excellence and for our love to abound in Christ. Now, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. And actually, verse th through verse 17. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you. Brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Take notice of verse 14. We're going to, look, we're going to go back there. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our Lord and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. What some beautiful words. Notice what verse 14 says. to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. How is one saved today? Can you answer me that? By faith. How about by grace through faith? So we think about being saved on judgment day. Wouldn't it be far better to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant? To know without a shadow of a doubt that today you are in good standings in God's grace. It has been extended unto you through the gospel. We hear the, we hear the gospel, or the, hear the scriptures continue to talk about a gospel call. A gospel call. And I don't, we don't talk, it's not me and your cell phones. They didn't have no such thing back then. The gospel call is God writing to you through these writers, extending his invitation to you. It's whether or not we choose to follow it or not. If we choose to follow it, it's like picking up your telephone and hit answer. 
and talking. If you choose to shut that gospel, shut that Bible, turn your backs to it, let it sit on the shelf and collect dust, it's just like saying deny. And guess who made that phone call? God. God is calling you. I don't mean through your telephone. I mean through the gospel. I mean through the gospel. Even if, even after you've been immersed, even after you've hit answer on that proverbial telephone, you are in connection with God. Until, uh-oh. You mean there's an until? There's an until. There's a but. But our sins and our iniquities have separated us from our God. And we lose that connection. How many of y'all have been talking on the telephone and your call gets dropped? It gets hung up. You get hung up and you have to, well, we got disconnected. Happens to me all the time. Our sins and our iniquities hits end, so to speak. We do realize that, right? I seriously hope so. Because that gospel call rings out. It has rung out ever since Christ left this earth. And it encourages to come to God. And that word that we study, that word that we abide in, that word that we hold so dearly to as a child of God is your instructions on how to get to God. So stand fast is in the very next verse, verse 15. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. Notice it says our epistle. He does not mean the Old Testament. Let me clarify. It does not mean the Old Testament. Those traditions is the New Testament. That's Christ's instructions. The things that we do that are pleasing to God unto this day. Are we doing those things? Are we living a lifestyle that's pleasing to God? If we was to hold up a picture of Jesus Christ, do we look like him? Does our lifestyle reflect the Son of God? It should. And in verse 16 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us an everlasting consolation and good hope by grace. Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. There's that word again, establish. Establish your hearts because the coming of the Lord is at hand. And now we see establish your establish you in every good word and word. So when we think about good work and good word, faith and works, working hand in hand, perfectly serving God. Now when I say perfect, I mean complete. I don't mean leaving something out. Leaving something out is not perfect. So my question this morning, are you patient? In the coming of the Lord. It's coming. Y'all be patient, right? You ever heard that term? Y'all be patient. Y'all know we have, those who don't know and who do know that we have a dog. I'll even look at the dog and say, be patient. He don't know what I'm saying, but I'm still telling him, be patient. So we all think about this. Christ says, be patient, I'm coming. Be patient. Just keep doing my word. Doing the thing, keep doing the things that's pleasing to the Father. For I am coming. I'm coming to gather those who are mine. I'm going to take you home. Isn't that encouraging? 
to know that we have that promise that's going to stand the test of time. Now, yes, there are many of us as a child of God who've gone on into the grave. Many of us have loved ones who are dead in the grave in Christ. They're waiting that reward. They're waiting for that coming of Christ. Just because we pass from this earth to the next doesn't mean it's the end for Christ coming back and showing himself to his disciples as we made mention in Bible class. Prove that there's life after death. Are we ready for that life? Or are we ready for death? Just turn that death sentence around. That death sentence might mean you're outside of Christ. You are sinning willfully. Abiding in Satan. Not abiding in Jesus. Where Satan is your father. Abiding in the flesh. So stop doing those things. Because they are very displeasing in the eyes of God. Let's make that turn around. Don't you know that a person setting before his sentencing, he's done been found guilty, but his sentencing is coming. And that judge gives that person death. They've done some something horrendous, and where they are, there's abiding in death. Don't you know that you wish they wish they could change at that moment? To go back in time and say, well, I don't want to abide in death. I'm going to make a turnaround. I'm going to change. I need to change. Well, at that time, it's too late. The deed was done, and they're going to have to abide for partaking of their punishment. We don't have to stand there waiting on punishment. We can stand there and wait on life. We can stand there and wait for the love of God because He is a merciful, graceful God. I'm thankful we do have one. So at this time, I want you to look within your hearts and look within your obedience unto God and is it failing? Is it faltering? Have you yet come to Christ? Have you yet to be immersed for the remission of sins? Turn away from those sinful things. Come to God because He offers life. He offers that everlasting hope. Do you need to come to Him? Do you need to turn away from your sins? Do you need prayer? Do you need encouragement? Please, don't wait, don't hesitate. For a, for a failing Christian is abiding condemnation unto himself. Whereas Hebrews 10, verse 26 and 27 tells us very much. For therefore no longer remains a sacrifice for, for our sins if we sin willfully. Nobody wants to be the adversary of God on judgment day. Let's turn away. Let's come to Christ as we stand, as we sing the song of invitation.